Welcome to Coffee House. For the first time, a Cohen brother has made a movie without the other one. Joel Cohen directed The Tragedy of Macbeth. Sand Ethan Cohen is their family drama. It's all but confirmed. So the result is The Tragedy of Macbeth, as I said, released on Apple Plus in 2021. And the first thing I watched on Apple Plus, <laughs> you know, I was going to watch the Foundation series. Actually, it's relevant because the Foundation series has started it. But they had gender and race swapped the central character, which for a fantasy sci-fi kind of a situation, it's, you know, fine in general. But it is kind of weird that it's the only, it's only acceptable to negatively impact a, a white male in particular, and occasionally a white female, when it comes to this swapping. It's like if you were doing the film version of Things Fall Apart, that was a Chinua Achebe, right? We read that. It's set in a, a small African village, and it's very important that it's about an African village. And if you swap that out and had a whole bunch of Asian people, like Koreans, if they were just kind of peppered in or, or were one of the main characters, it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't make sense. So uh, it's not as much of an issue when it comes to a sci-fi fantasy series. Just whoever, you know, if their race is supposed to be the same race, then make them all the same race. But uh, when it comes to the tragedy of Macbeth, obviously Macbeth is supposed to be, what, a Scottish king? So <laughs> as far as I know, there haven't been a tremendous amount of black kings in Scotland. So historically, it doesn't make sense. And in this movie, there are a number of black actors that, that end up in a lot of the roles and major roles. But generally, at this point, you know, when it comes to Shakespeare, it kind of, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter much. And if they do an excellent job, you always take merit over uh, whatever representation initiatives they're plugging in. And when it comes to the main character, obviously, that was strictly based on merit. It had nothing to do with skin color. So... As always, we will go through the contents of this thing, and this is a movie, I know, but uh, we're still <laughs> we're gonna do it this way. We're gonna go through the contents, we're gonna do a bit of an analysis, and then we're gonna have, for the first time ever, I think, a big picture related to a movie. So we'll see how it goes, but this is The Tragedy of Macbeth by Joel Cohen. Contents. So everybody's probably read this at this point by now. If you're listening to this podcast, then you've probably read it a few times. But Macbeth is one of Shakespeare's shortest plays, unlike Hamlet, which is pretty massive. So I'm I'm not sure, but I would venture to say that there weren't many omissions or edits that were taken out of the play itself. It seemed a pretty faithful adaptation. And just as a, a side note, there was one movie version of Macbeth. I think it was the one with Ian McKellen and Judi Dench. Were they in one together? But Judi Dench played Lady Macbeth. And at one point, one of my favorite quotes in all of literature, she says, "'Tis the eye of childhood which fears a painted devil." When the actual quote from the play is, "'Tis the eye of childhood that fears a painted devil." She said which instead of that, and they kept it in the movie. Drives me absolutely insane every time I watch that one. I can't even, I have to skip over it. That's how much it hurts. <laughs> But, okay, that's an aside. A little more than kin and less than kind. So, Macbeth is off, if you know the story, off winning battles, and he gets a visit from the three witches, and the witches tell him of the future, or what's supposed to be the future, that he will be king, and tell his friend that his kids will end up being royalty, they'll be kings, but he will not himself. But then, hilarity ensues as Macbeth takes them very seriously, and with some goading by his very supportive wife, uh, there's some conspiring, there's some stabbing of kings, there's some accessorizing after the fact in murder, and there's a sentient forest leading up to the climax. And it's a play with some of the greatest quotes of all time that are just some of my favorites from all of history. So, uh, you know what? I don't think we need to do too much more content. <laughs> you should generally know the story by now. 
So analysis-wise, when it comes to the movie itself, so to start off with, The Witches. The Witches are played by a single person, and it is Catherine Hunter. I think real name is Akaterini Hadjipateras. Akaterini Hadjipateras, it's Greek, apparently. Uh, this person is absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's almost stealing the show fantastic. This is the best depiction of The Witches I have seen. And you can tell this person has just a ton of experience when it comes to acting on stage. There are just so many amazing things about the way the witches are depicted in this movie. And it's a great way to start it off, too, because it's, you know, early on you can see the witches doing their thing. And it's not, it's just one person playing the witches, all three of them. So they play with that idea a lot. And I've seen that before, for sure. I've seen it before where they just have one person playing all the witches and, and they just kind of split them up and, and do different things. But I think it's really done well here. But the thing that takes the cake is Catherine Hunter's performance playing the witches in this. I think it's just fantastic and it looks great. It's so interesting. There's this whole motif about crows that's used throughout the thing and, and I just I absolutely love it. The cinematography itself is incredible to kind of segue into that. It's shot in black and white. It's got lots of clean geometry in the architecture and the backgrounds and the way that things are staged. Lots of clean geometry and the use of the crow's iconography, you know, throughout. You can see that. And like there's one moment, there are a lot of clever things that are done. So in this one moment, uh, the big moment where he has the speech, is this a knife before me? Is this a knife I see before me? The thing that may or may not be a knife is a door handle. So it's kind of glimmering in in the light in the distance as he's walking toward it and that's just such a fantastic way to do it metaphorically and it looked great it looked really interesting and so many great ideas behind that obviously the idea of going through a door you know a door that you can't go back through if you if you open this door it's it's game over and so to have that be is this a knife before me the door handle is just so good so very good so I love that part of it. It's just such a pleasure to look at throughout. There were some things, there were a lot of stairs. <laughs> there were a lot of scenes on stairs. And I don't know, that sometimes that would throw me off. You know, even one of the big soliloquies is done on the stairs. And, you know, Lady Macbeth is on the stairs a lot. And I'm not sure if that really had some extra kind of meaning. Or there's a point, is there's just trying to get some kind of more texture into the visuals of it or something. So it's not all flatland. I don't know, maybe that had something to do with it. But sometimes it was kind of distracting and annoyed me a little bit that they were moving up and down stairs all the time but it's kind of a, it was a minor thing relative to how gorgeous it was and then to move on oh Macbeth just in general so Denzel Washington absolutely I thought he nailed it he just killed it there were some aspects of it that might be more related to the play than they are to the performance because I felt like there wasn't enough buildup to him making this momentous decision. And maybe, like I said, it's just a, kind of a Darth of that subject in the play itself. I can't remember. I haven't read it in a while. But that was really minor relative to... Um, because he just managed throughout so many of the important speeches that he had to give. You know, is this a dagger before me? Macbeth doth murder sleep. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace. I mean, all of those. He used this very natural delivery... And he managed to build in the subtext. You know, it's it's really easy to kind of lose that. And it's really easy to overdo it. And that's what I always loved when it came to Shakespeare, is just being able to do a natural delivery. Because it's really easy to get into this highfalutin, kind of overly ornate means of trying to get this thing across. And when you do it just naturally, it, it just has so much more impact. And so he did that with uh, with all of them. I still, like, I remember the image of him giving the tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And he was going down the stairs at this point. But, but still, just the sound of it and the look on his face and everything about that. I just think Denzel really killed it when he was doing this. 
So uh, the subtext was, you know, it really had, and that's what Macbeth is about, is uh, that Macbeth, when he goes into this, he's reluctant and regretful of it. He's got this idea that should be in the back of his head that's, uh, you know, he doesn't want to go along with this, but he's getting kind of swept away, you know, swept away by his wife, swept away by the witches, swept away in general by fate, you know, the idea of fate. So it seemed to me that Denzel really had that subtext down throughout the thing, uh, which was really, I really appreciated. It's that fate has its teeth in him, and it's that's the oppressive force in the story. And it would have been easy for him to fall back in t- to kind of a tough guy character or something like that, but he really doesn't do that throughout the whole movie, you know, as far as I can tell. He has one super badass moment, which is really cool. <laughs> But you can see the subtext and you can see how reserved he is in in playing this character and making sure it's it's within the right lines when it comes to the, the character itself. And then you have Lady Macbeth. Frances McDormand has been, you know, obviously a, a long-term treasure, just period, when it comes to acting and Hollywood. And she's the one pushing him to the deed. And during that moment, those moments when she's pushing it and pushing it and kind of conspiring and all that, I absolutely love that part of it. There were some aspects of afterwards, like when she has to go crazy. And this is kind of something that I didn't really like in the play itself. So it's not necessarily McDormand's fault. But there were some aspects of it that I didn't like so much when she was, after she had gone crazy. And she was she was the character out of everybody in the whole play that had the most agency and personality. You know, she had the she was trying to accomplish something rather than reacting to what's going on around her. And it was taken away from her. And I wonder, you know, that might be the point. The point is that, you know, fate can overtake or that's at least what it seems like. So it might be the point that, you know, she was the one with the agency and she's the one who has that ability to have agency taken away because fate is always going to overcome. But there, there was just um, something that I didn't necessarily like about it in the long stretch. And there were some staging issues. Like I said, I talked about the stairs. But there's some staging issues also that I wasn't too keen on. But still, just overall, yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. Then you have all the supporting actors. You know, Bre- Brendan Gleeson plays a, a character in there. There are a number of others. There's one guy in particular who had a, a meaty sub role uh, who I thought really did a good job. You know, there's, there's only one child actor. I think there's only one. He's not super great, but it's a child trying to do Shakespeare's. So you can't give him too much crap for that. So in general, I mean, everybody who was a supporting actor, I mean, they all did well, or at least they photographed well. (laughs) So one or the other, but in general, it it worked out. But it's really one of the better movie adaptations of Shakespeare that I've seen ever. And I think it will go down as a classic interpretation of the Bard. So moving on to the big picture. Free will, we've talked about it, <laughs> and so we're not going to spend too much time on that. But the idea of free will, philosophically, scientifically, it's all that, it doesn't make any sense, so we won't go into that. But when it comes to women using men as a channel of ambition, this is something that is of interest to me. So as some something that Jordan Peterson talks about is that the story of history was not a story of men exploiting women. It was a story of powerful men and women exploiting the vast majority of everybody else. And so you have both of them in this Hobbesian state of nature where mortality was so high and life was so unpredictable that the genders were just doing anything that they could to try to overcome it, to try to survive. And in this state, you had this mutual benefit to marriage. Somebody who would be like Lady Macbeth, who was strong and powerful and conspiring and (laughs) a little shady, she would need somebody who had that kind of physical power to be able to channel through to accomplish the things that she needs to accomplish. 
and so there would have been a mutual benefit in marriage for for the parties because she's the one you know screw your courage to the sticking place or whatever she says she's the one motivating him and giving him the motivation to do something grand to something big and he's the one who is has the you know a- actual physicality to be able to accomplish the thing the things that they conspire to do that is not to say that your relationship goals should mirror those of Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. I'm just saying that it's of interest historically to think of it in those terms. And of course, today, now we have uh, very, when it comes to women in general, especially women reaching middle age, you have the highest rates of success in history for that demographic, and you have the highest rates of depression in history for that demographic. So you wonder if having completely undermined that institution that has been, uh, you know, a hallmark of humanity for thousands of years, whether that was actually a good idea. So that all said, that was the tragedy of Macbeth, the movie by Joel Cohen. It's on Apple Plus. I think it's only on Apple Plus. And I would highly recommend, I don't think it's necessarily worth it to get the whole streaming service to be able to do that. But I thoroughly enjoyed and uh, I will be watching it again and again. And I hope that, you know, the week's going well. And I hope I will get to see you on the next one. We do that massive tome on the neurobiology of emotions <laughs> that's coming up. But otherwise, hope all is well and I'll see you in the next one. All right, bye. bye.